This morning we are looking in the book of Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse number 4. Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse number 4. The writer of Hebrews writes and he says, Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Let me read the first part of that again. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. Father, thank you for the incredible and infallible word of the Lord. God, today I just pray that your anointing once again will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, I pray that you will give me something today, Lord. Let me be sensitive to your Holy Spirit and help me to say something today I've never said ever before. And something that will resonate within the heart of the people that are here today. God, I pray for every marriage today that is represented. God, I just pray, Lord, that God, that you will help us to improve our marriages, Father. God, give us godly marriages. Father, all for the glory of God we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, we are in a series I'm calling Home Improvement. This past Sunday, I began talking about what I call the Ten Commandments of Marriage. Last Sunday, I gave you five do's. Let me challenge you, if you were not here last Sunday, to get online and listen to the message last Sunday. If you didn't hear the one before that, listen to that as well. This morning, I'm going to give you the last five commandments of marriage, which are five don'ts. I sincerely believe that if you will implement these five do's and five don'ts into your marriage, I believe that you will enjoy some home improvement. How many believe that all of us could use a little bit of home improvement? Well, let's look at don't number one this morning. Don't number one, don't criticize your mate. Don't criticize your mate. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, commonly known as the love chapter, verses 4 through 8, he describes love. You need to understand that the love that Paul is describing here is agape love. That is a word to describe that God kind and God quality of love, or loving like God loves. So if we love like God loves, then this is the description of that love. Paul writes, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not what? Are you paying attention? It is not what? It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Goes on to write and says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Remember, that's why I I said that, that this is talking about agape love, that God kind and God quality of love. And only through that agape love can you always protect and always trust and always hope and always persevere. Amen? Don't criticize your mate. You see, when you do, you are not acting in love. Because Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13 and 5 that we read, love is not rude. 
And in verse 4, he says, love is patient. And he said, love is kind. I want to ask you this this morning. Why are we patient and kind with everyone besides the one we love the most? Why do we make excuses for the way others act and react, but we are so critical of our spouse who we should have the most grace for? Let me give you three practical admonitions here, and you can jump in and help me anytime you want. Three practical admonitions here. Number one, never correct your mate in public. Never correct your mate in public. Have you ever been out with another couple, and one of them was telling a story or recounting an event, and their spouse constantly interrupted them to say, no, no, it wasn't, it wasn't 9 a.m., it was 11 Uh, No, it wasn't 12 people, it was 7. No, it didn't happen that way at all. This This is what really happened, and then they take over the story and tell it their way and totally disrespect their spouse. Ever been with anybody like that? Don't look around. Don't correct your mate in public. Here's another admonition, and this is this is a big one. Don't confide in a parent or friend, something that could embarrass your mate. Hello? Don't confide in a parent or friend something that could embarrass your mate. And don't talk bad about your mate to a parent or a friend. Now, I want to be abundantly clear this morning. I'm not talking about abuse right now. Report abuse. Get out of an abusive situation. So just understand that. But, but don't confide in a parent or a friend something that could embarrass your mate. And don't talk bad about, a, about your mate to a parent or a friend. See, see, here's what happens. Here's what happens. You confide something to a friend or you confide something to a family member about your mate. And, and then you work things out with your mate. You work things out with your mate. You forgive them. And you also know that you probably exaggerated the story that you told. You and your mate are now fine, but now your family or friends who don't have the opportunity to go through the same process that you went through, they now have a problem with your mate. They have an unresolved issue with them that will be ongoing. You have worked it out. They still have a problem. You say, but pastor, don't we need to talk to someone? Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk to a pastor or talk to a professional Christian counselor or talk to someone that you trust 100% that is not close to your spouse. See, when you spill your guts to family or mutual friends, it strains and damages this future relationship. Let me give you one more this morning. Always concentrate on your mate's strengths. Always concentrate on your mate's strengths. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8 says, Whatever things are true, are noble, are right, are pure, are lovely, are admirable, if anything is excellent, think on these things. See, we all have our strengths and we all have our Weaknesses. Let me ask you this this morning. Why is it, why is it that before marriage we place a perfect 10 over the head of our future mate? 
I heard of one pastor said he just refused to do premarital counseling. He said it doesn't do any good. He says because before marriage, before marriage they put that perfect tin over the head of that future spouse. Why is it before marriage we do that? And all we can see is the, is the positives, and yet, and yet after we're married for a while and after the new wears off, we tend to concentrate more on the negative. We concentrate more on the flaws of our mate than we do on the strengths. Think about it this way this morning. It was your flaws that kept your mate from getting a better mate than you. <laughs> Think about that next time you want to sling some mud around, all right? We're talking about Ten Commandments of Marys. I'm giving you five don'ts this morning. Don't criticize your mate. Number two this morning, don't cheat on your mate. Hebrews 13 and 4, our text says, Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in Marriage, it goes on to say, God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. I want to suggest three ways that you can cheat on your mate. The first one is obvious, and that is through inappropriate relationships. Inappropriate relationships. Let's read Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32 through 35. The wisdom writer writes, and he says, Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you give many gifts. Adultery has wrecked many a home. Adultery doesn't just affect the two people that are involved in the affair, but, but it affects the other spouses. Uh, uh, all of the kids uh, uh, from all the spouses are all, all affected. The parents, the parents are, are affected. The friends of those that are involved are, are affected. Adultery has a domino effect, and once it is brought out into the open, and listen, it eventually will be brought out into the open. And once it is brought out into the open, it has such a residual effect that even if there is forgiveness, even if there is restoration, things will never, ever be the same ever again. Yes, you can get forgiveness. No, adultery is not the unpardonable sin. Yes, you can get forgiveness. But let me tell you that that there will always be a stain on your reputation. And it will have a residual effect that will affect you the rest of your life. Because there's a high price to pay for low living. Don't cheat on your spouse. Through inappropriate relationships. Hey, listen, listen to me this morning. It doesn't even have to be sexual to be inappropriate. See, sometimes people have an emotional connection that is inappropriate. Listen, if you are closer to somebody of the opposite sex than you are to your spouse, this is an inappropriate relationship. And you are cheating on your mate. 
I'm preaching better than your amen this morning. That's all I got. Don't cheat on your mate. Not only do people cheat on their mate through inappropriate relationships, but also you can cheat through your imagination. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 27 and 28, Jesus said, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But Jesus said, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with, him in, with her in his heart. Now I want to be abundantly clear this morning. Jesus is not saying, That a man commits adultery just by admiring or recognizing that there is a beautiful woman in his presence. I will tell you that a man has bigger problems if he doesn't notice. God made him visual and visual he will be. You say then, Pastor, when has he gone over the line. When a man undresses a woman with his eyes. When a man fantasizes having sex with another woman, not his wife. His fantasy is just as bad in the eyes of God as if he had had sex with her. There's an old country song that says, I've already loved you in my mind. I love the story of, of the husband and, and wife, and we've all had this, uh, had this uh, uh, discussion before, I'm sure, my wife and I have, and, and you know, the wife and, I were ha- or the wife and husband were having a discussion, and she said, honey, she said, if I were to die, would you remarry? Had that discussion? So, well, honey, I love being married, so yes, the answer is yes, I would remarry. She said, well, honey, if you remarried, she said, would, that, would your new wife live in my house? He said, well, sweetheart, it's in my house too, and I love my house, and yeah, probably she would live in this house. She said, well, would she cook in my kitchen? Yeah. She's my wife. It's our kitchen. Yeah. Hopefully she can cook. Yeah, she'd cook in our kitchen. Would she sleep in our bed? Well, yeah, it's my bed too. I'm comfortable in that bed. Yeah, I should. Well, would she use my golf clubs? Oh, no, she's left-handed. He had already picked somebody out. He had cheated on his wife through his imagination. Don't cheat on your mate. Don't cheat through in, inappropriate relationships, through your imaginations. And, and listen, here, here, listen to this one, through, through improper priorities. See, see, when you think about, about cheating on your spouse, you automatically think about an affair. You think about, about having a full-blown affair. But the truth of the matter is you cheat, you cheat on your mate when you place anything before them in priority. Turn to your neighbor and say, ouch. See, some cheat on their spouse by placing their children before their spouse in priority. 
See, see, some wives desert their husbands when their kids are born. Happens. Hey, hey, I understand uh, the mothering instinct that God placed within the woman. But listen, listen, you must understand that you had your husband before the kids came along. Or at least that was God's order of events. I'll let that one sink in. You had your husband before the kids came along, and you will have your husband after the kids leave the nest. Hopefully, there's not a disconnect somewhere in the middle of the process. Don't cheat on your mate through improper priorities. For some, it's the kids. For others, it's their job or their career. Still others, uh, it could be by not letting go of their parents. Still others cheat on their spouse by placing their hobbies and recreation ahead of their spouse. We're talking about the Ten Commandments of marriage. Don't cheat on your mate. Five don'ts. Don't criticize your mate. Number two, don't cheat on your mate. Number three, don't choke the life out of your marriage. Don't choke the life out of your marriage. John 10 and 10 says the thief comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. The thief is is the devil, the enemy of of our soul. Satan wants to destroy your home. And he's going to do everything within his power to try and choke the life out of your marriage. And one way he does this is by trying to get us to compare our life with somebody else's life. Try to get us to compare our marriage with somebody else's marriage, our home with somebody else's home, our stuff with somebody else's stuff. But here's what I've come to know. Everything is not as it appears on the surface. And something else I've come to know is, and that is most people today are playing pretend, they're playing make-believe. Hey, it's okay to play make-believe. It's okay to play pretend if you are a child. But for far too many adults today, they are still playing dress-up. They're still playing pretend. They pretend that all is well when it is not. They pretend like they can afford their lifestyle when actually they are in debt up to their eyeballs. tell you this this morning. Most of the time when you compare your life with somebody else's life, you are not comparing apples to apples because you are comparing your life with the life that they pretend to have, the life that they want everybody to think they have, but it's not really the life they have. So don't choke the life out of your marriage by comparing it to somebody else's pretend marriage. Good stuff. Let me suggest two two ways people choke the life out of their marriage. Number one is through unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. Hear me this morning. People who expect their mate to make them happy have unrealistic expectations. Because no one can make you happy. No one can make you happy because happiness is a choice. 
want to give you somebody some good advice this morning. If you are dating an unhappy person, run! Because marriage will not make an unhappy person happy. Because unhappy people will be unhappy whether they're married or whether they are unmarried. And happy people will be happy regardless of their circumstances. Because happy people have decided to be happy. And happy people are happy. And unhappy people are unhappy regardless of the circumstance or the situation. Because happiness is a choice. And so is unhappiness. Don't choke the life out of your marriage by placing unrealistic expectations on your mate or by possessing unrealistic expectations. And don't believe everything in the movies. And don't believe everything that you read in the romance novel. And don't believe everything that your girlfriends say is going on in their relationships and definitely do not believe all the bull that you hear in the locker room. (laughs) Or wherever testosterone may gather. (laughs) Because the first liar doesn't have a chance. Another way you choke the life out of your marriage is through unreasonable demands. My wife and I have a nice, comfortable lifestyle. We have enjoyed this lifestyle for the past 30-plus years. The first 10 years or so of our marriage, not so much. Married at the age of 17, ridiculous, crazy, but we did it. Pastoring a church at the age of 17, totally ridiculous. Our first house we lived in, they called them parsonages back in those days. Definition of a parsonage, the way to not pay the preacher so much. (laughs) Put him in a house the church owns and says, you don't get much salary because, you know, we give you the house to live in. Whatever. Whatever. Just so happened, it was a little bitty tiny church, and our first house, parsonage we lived in, was literally a shack. I am not exaggerating. It was literally a shack. And, and uh, we were the last pastors willing to live there. Uh, my wife and I lived in the basement of a church a few years after moving out of the shack. Instead of moving on up like the Jeffersons, we moved on down. (laughs) Actually, the basement was better than the shack after I remodeled it. Not much, but it was better. At least it didn't fill up with water. We lived in a 27-foot travel trailer. You think you like to sell your stuff and go travel the world? We'll get you a 27-foot travel trailer before slide-outs. Put three people in it and live in it 24-7 and see and come back and talk to me afterwards. <laughs> we did that, pulling it all over the, all over the country, preaching revival. We, we know what it's like to struggle. We know what it's like to do without. We know what it's like to watch our family prosper while we barely scrape by. 
We know what it's like to have to tell our family, no, we cannot go out with the rest of the family because we can barely afford to buy groceries, let alone go out to eat. In those days, vacation was going to a relative's house and eating their food. I am not exaggerating. I remember, I, I remember how good I felt the first time that I could afford to fill my car up with gas and not just put a couple of dollars worth of gas in it. Listen, hear me this morning. Hear me. I'm not saying this to complain. I'm not complaining at all this morning. I am actually grateful for every one of these experiences because they made me thankful for what I have today. And hardly a day goes by that I don't reminisce and I don't thank God from where I started to where He has taken me. I'm not complaining. I'm grateful for what I have today and thankful. I'm saying all of this to say this. During all of those times, my wife never one time made unreasonable demands on me. She never complained to me. She never made me feel less of a man because I wasn't wasn't providing for her the way others were providing. She could have easily choked the life out of our marriage by placing unrealistic demands on a very young husband that was also a very, very young rookie pastor, pastoring a little tiny church just for a very few dollars a week. She could have wrecked it. But she never put unrealistic demands. Don't choke the life out of your marriage through unrealistic expectations or unreasonable demands. All right, let's move on to the fourth don't. Number four, don't compile negative data. Some of you already got it. Don't (laughs) compile negative data. 1 Corinthians 13 and 5, Paul writes, love keeps no record of wrongs. Two men were talking and one said, man, we really had a, me and my wife really had a fight, bad fight last night, man. We got in such a bad fight that she got plum historical. The man said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, I mean historical, man. He said, she reminded me of everything I've ever done bad, I've ever said bad, everything I've ever done wrong, man. She was historical. But Paul writes, here he says, true love, agape love, that God kind and God quality of love, keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't compile negative data. It forgives and it forgets. Let me mention two places where we tend to compile negative data. The first one is internally. Too many spouses harbor anger and bitterness and resentment toward their mate in their heart. Proverbs 14 and 23 says to guard your heart above all else. He said because it determines the course of your life. Understand, underline three words. Heart, determines, and life. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. You know what that says to me? That says to me that bitterness in the heart will produce a bitter life. 
Don't compile negative data in your heart. Choose to forgive and move on. But not only do people compile negative data internally, but also externally. Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, Jesus said, what you say flows from what is in your heart. Here's some good advice for all spouses this morning. Erase the words always and never from your vocabulary. Especially when you're having intense fellowship. See, my wife and I, we never argue and we never fight, but we do have intense fellowship sometimes. Erase the words always and never from your vocabulary. Never say, well, you always do this, or you always do that, or you always say this, or you never do this, or you never do that, or you never do something else. Erase those words from your vocabulary. Don't compile negative data externally by getting historical with your mate. All right, quickly, let's look at the fifth and final don't in our Ten Commandments of Marriage. Don't cling too tight. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, the Bible says a man or a woman will leave their father and mother and they will cleave to their spouse. Notice the words, leave and cleave. Don't cling too tight. Don't cling too tight to mom and dad. Many a marriage has suffered and some have failed because somebody was clinging too tight. See, parents must release their kids when they get married, and kids must turn loose of their parents when they get married. You don't forsake each other, but the relationship changes. Parents, don't interfere in your kids' marriage. Kids, don't run home to mama every time you have a squabble with your mate. Stay and work it out. My wife and I try to only give advice to our kids when they ask us for it. And even then, we say to them, it's your life. It's your life. It's your decision. You have to live with the decision that you make. Here's what we think, but we will support your decision 100%. Don't cling too tight, not to mom and dad, and not to your mate. What do I mean by this? I mean this, give each other some space. Yes, the two become one, but you are still individuals. Give each other some space. Don't cling too tight. Wives, let your man have his man cave. Come on, men. I'm trying to help you here. Let, let, let him spend some time with his buddy, buddies doing manly things. I'll help you ladies in a minute. Don't. Ladies, what you need to understand 
is that inside that big stand up Rod good to see you Rod stand up I'll pick on you it's a big burly man right here lumberjack man he's a man's man right there stand up I mean, I, I don't ever expect to be in a fight again. <laughs> if I ever, I won't rot on my, I mean, he's a big man. He's a burly man. He's, the, he's a man's man. But I'm going to tell you, Gail, and you already know this, but inside that big burly man right there is still a little boy that is saying, I want to go outside and play. <laughs> Thank you, Rod, for being a good sport. Hey, give it up for Rod. Doing this to be funny, I'm telling you that you need to understand this, ladies. You need to understand that, yes, he's a man. And yes, he has responsibilities. And, yes, he needs to be a husband. He needs to be a father. He needs to be a, uh, you know, uh, uh, he needs to be a provider. And all of these things. But I'm going to tell you there is still a little boy on the inside of him that still wants to go outside and play. And I understand that he can't play till he gets his work done. But when he gets his work done, you need to let him go outside and play. And the men said, now, fellas, fellas, don't take advantage here. Remember what I said about cheating on your spouse through improper priorities. Everything must be balanced. And husbands, let your wife have some estrogen time. Time with her girlfriends doing frou-frou things. Because even though the two of you are one, yet you are still two individuals who need some space and some time. Amen? And, and, and listen, listen, if we can work it out where the husband is doing manly things at the same time the wife is doing girly things, that is a win-win. And of course you do things together. We already talked about that last week. But you should also give each other time and give each other space as individuals. Don't cling too tight. You can run your marriage the way you want to run your marriage. I'll tell you how my wife and I run ours. We have an understanding. We have an understanding. I don't have to call her and beg her if I can go play golf. She doesn't have to call me and beg me if she can have some girl time. Now, out of respect for one another and to check a schedule, we may call each other and say, hey, I think I'm going to go play golf. Is there anything on our schedule that would prohibit it? She may call and she say, honey, I, you know, I'd like to spend some time with, with Krista or whatever. And is there anything else going on? And, you know, but, but, but listen, we've got an understanding. We've got an understanding. She's not my mama and I'm not her daddy. We love each other. We've got a great marriage. We love doing things together, but we also need some alone time. We also need some space. We also need time to do our own thing every once in a while. Hello? Testing, testing. I'm not sure this mic's working this morning. Hey, I'm coming in for a landing right now this morning. Hey, if you are going to be baptized in water, if you'll go out this door right here with Pastor Chris and get ready and open those doors as soon as you're ready, Chris. And also, if I can get some help on the platform this morning. So if you're going to be baptized in water this morning, go with Pastor Chris. Also, if you 
haven't planned to be baptized in water, but you would love to be baptized in water, we'll baptize you today. And we've got clothes for you. We can help you out with that. So just on the spur of the moment, go on back there with them. That'd be great. Well, there you have it, the Ten Commandments of marriage. I believe that if you'll do the five things that I've uh, admonished you to do, and if you won't do the things that I've admonished you not to do, I believe that you can enjoy some home improvement. How about you this morning? And don't forget the 11th commandment that I gave you last Sunday. How many remember the 11th commandment? How many of you have broken that commandment this past week? The 11th commandment is, thou shalt not say unto thy spouse, pastor said, Leave me out of it. Amen. The takeaway for the word today is this. If we would work as hard at keeping our spouse as we did at getting our spouse, there would be far less issues 